0: I'm Emery Henthazar of the Playbook. This is episode one of this new podcast where we'll break down prospects and games from a scouting perspective. And In this episode, uh, we'll be joined by one of our own, Gene Clements, who does great work for the website. And today's focus will be on high school football, recruiting, scouting, all star games, and where Gene has a lot of expertise. And you can follow him on Twitter. At Gene Clements, and you can also find this show and our other podcasts on iTunes under the Football Game Plan Radio Network, and also on our SoundCloud page, Football Game Plan Network, as well as archived on our website at FootballGamePlan.com. You can follow me, Emory Hunt, on Twitter at fballgameplan. So, now that we got all of that out the way, welcome, Gene. Thanks for taking time joining us on our Scout Team podcast. Always a pleasure to be here. Always a pleasure to talk scouting with you. Now, you were recently at a couple of bowl games. What, what, where were you this week? And what you have coming up? Man, I
1: well, this past I'll say over the holiday, over the
0: holiday time, I was at the on um, Russell Athletic Bowl, on um,
1: the Buffalo Wild Wings Bowl. I was at the Outback Bowl, um, and before that, I was actually at the NAIA. National Championship game, um, and, and congratulations again to St. Francis for their for their um, win. Um, longtime head coach, he was there when I was when I was coaching at Urbana University, and so it was it was good to see him get a win, even though it was over a friend of mine, um, Miguel Regalado, who's the offensive coordinator at Baker University
0: right now. Now, see, so you mentioned the fact that you coach with St. Francis's head coach. Uh, Back at Urbana, and which is interesting because you have a unique journey getting to where you are today. You played college ball as well as coached college ball. Take us through your playing days and where did you play and how did you end up jumping into coaching? Well, and, and just for clarifications,
1: I coached with the Baker University. Baker, my fault. Offensive coordinator, um, Coach Regalotto. Um You know, for me, it was always going to be um, and involvement in sports from when I was a, when I was a little kid, I've always, I've always been involved in sports and um, I've always been intrigued by the education of sports. Um, I consider myself to be a, a sports nerd in the sense that I don't just look at a game as a fan. I, I really do analyze things that I think that helped me as a player. Um, I played play football at um, Arkansas Tech University. Um, where I received my undergrad um, degree from. Played tight end there, um, and and after I was finished, it was funny. I actually had an, an issue with um, some grades that I transferred with um, that that left me ineligible for a couple for a couple of weeks um, early on into my um, my final season um, that I played college ball. And in those two those two those couple of weeks, I had to work the scout team. And so, because I was a because I was an older an older kid, and, you know, working the scout team, that allowed me to be involved a lot more in the actual in the actual game planning of what the scout team was going to do. I took a, a, a much more hands-on role, while a lot of people would have pouted. I really looked at it as an opportunity to learn more about offenses. And once I was eligible, I actually continued to do the same thing. And so I would work with the defensive coordinator on putting together the scout team offensive game plan for that week. And I just fell in love with the, with the chess match of the game and what it brought to the table. And so when I was ready to um, move on from playing and I actually left my last year of eligibility on the table, um, I knew I wanted to coach. And that led me to um, Bridgeton Academy, which is a postgraduate prep school in Maine, um, where I really became inundated into coaching and into the recruiting process. So if anyone doesn't know anything about prep schools, especially PG schools, we recruit players in to the school. And then the next, the following spring, we're essentially selling them to colleges. And I don't mean selling as in um, we're we're getting we're getting money for them, but we're we're telling college coaches, hey, this is a kid that you need, and these are the reasons why. Um, and and so in those two years that I was at British Academy, it really gave me a a, a big insight into not only the recruiting process um, from a college perspective, but also the recruiting process from a high school's coaches perspective and how to properly. Um, boost up and or sell a player to a prospective um, college. Um, From there, I actually went on and I was the head coach at a school in in Virginia, Randolph-Macon Academy for a year. It wasn't a very good fit because I knew I wanted to go to college. Um, I had an opportunity at Urbana University to go in and be um, an assistant coach and the video coordinator there. I did that for the next two years and also... Um, got my master's degree in education. Um, and, and that was a great experience actually being able to recruit kids and um, give evaluations. And, you know, if, if anyone knows anything about the college game, um, I'm not afraid to say it. It's a lot of time it's about who you know and not what you know. But it's refreshing when someone gets a hold, or a coach gets hold of someone who knows. Uh, and it's not just, you know, oh, well, this is my buddy's. You know, son, and I put him on because I was looking out for my buddy, or this is my homeboy that lost a job at another place, and I gave it to him. So, um, I really got an opportunity to, to get a lot of things thrown on my plate early because the head coach knew that I knew football and I knew recruiting. Um, after that, um, I moved back to Florida where I started coaching um, more full time in high school, coaching and teaching. And I've been doing that ever since. And, and obviously, um, a few years ago when um you and I met through Chris James and you told me about football game plan and and I fell in love with the with the with the philosophy, with
0: the thought process and, and we've been riding hard ever since. And we've been in a lot of games. Looking forward to catching up with you down when we get to the uh, East West Shrine game. It's always a great trip when I get down to Tampa and hang out with you and Chris. Um, and, and talk shop and be able to check out some prospects on a collegiate level that's making that jump to the pros. And, and we take that approach differently than what we do on the high school realm. Remember, we used to have a, a show where we used to have recruits tweet us their highlights, and we break down the film right there on air. Even one of those guys that we broke down is doing great work right now at Boston College. He's a starter on the offensive line, and Chris Lindstrom, um, Lindstrom I'm sorry. And, and so – uh, we had a lot of value out that and we we have to really break down our approach as far as how we look at high school guys as opposed to how we look at the college guys going to the league but all of that is a part of the football game plan scouting philosophy i know we have we did a video last year down at the Shrine game about our philosophy but each one of us has a different take on how we approach this thing what's your what would you say is your approach to the scouting philosophy as far as uh, let's just say from a high school p- p- uh, perspective. Well, the one thing you have, to, you
1: have to keep in mind when you're talking about high school as it a, as a differs from college is that these kids are not men. They, they, they're still developing. So a lot of what you're doing is looking at raw skills. And, and when you find someone who combines those raw skills with an innate football acumen, you, you, you take advantage of that. So when you see those raw measurables and then you match that with this person has the, has the mental capacity to understand the game, that's what really takes them to the next level in my mind. Um, and that's what I'm looking for as an evaluator when I'm looking at a high school player that can do what they're doing in high school at the collegiate level. Because, as you know, um, at the high school level, the level of competition is so spotty and it's up and down. It depends on what district or what province you're in. It depends on the state that you're in and, and the level of competition or whether or not someone, someone can do what they're doing at the high school level, at the collegiate level. I'll give you an example. You have to be really careful with the way you evaluate running backs in the Northeast. Um, running backs coming out of out of Massachusetts, um, out of Maine, New Hampshire, you may have you may have 20 to 25 guys put up 15 to 1800 yards rushing, and those guys end up at a Division three school, and people go, well, man, how not he a Division one talent? And you go, well, you have to take in mind the type of football they're playing, the competition level, and then where those measurables protect, project to at the next level. And so, why, while this guy may be a fantastic Division III running back, and that's great, that's phenomenal for you know for Norwich to get, or for Bridgewater State to get, that kid's not going to have a lot of success at BC playing running back. That might, that guy might be, if he wants to be a, a, a strong safety, if he wants to be a slot back, he may have an opportunity at a New Hampshire, at a BC, depending upon his skill set at that level. So that's what I look at. I look at those raw measurables mixed with that, you know, that innate ability to understand the game. And then I take into account that
0: competition level and the type of or brand of football that's being played in that area. And that's an interesting point because we, I was talking with a coaching friend of mine back at the Senior Bowl last year and we were talking about the differences and talent from state to state. He's obviously a college coach now, a position coach. And we were talking about Carson Wentz. And and first, speaking to your point about high school and and where you are as a prospect coming out of high school, I I wanna say Wentz was maybe six one, six two. So a lot of times when guys are getting recruited and they'll say, like well how did this guy Carson Wentz end up at a school like North Dakota State? Well Coming out of high school, he probably was only six one and not physically developed yet as a quote unquote major FBS prospect. So he had to go to an FCS school or play another position like you talked about at a, at a at a lower level FBS school. And so fast forward to his to the end of his college career, he's at the Senior Bowl and and you're looking at a guy that played his high school ball in uh, North Dakota, played his college ball in North Dakota against teams from, let's say, with that Midwestern-type area, Uh, maybe as far south as, I I know one time they played uh, maybe Sam Houston State or Jacksonville State last year in the championship game, and you notice a difference in the speed. So if he's used to playing against North Dakota or Midwestern-type talent, when he has to now go against teams and guys from, let's say, Florida who had to play faster all the time That's where you see a prospect maybe have some issues. So I think that does that tie into your point about a guy at in in Maine rushing for 2,400 yards, but only going to a D3 school and not getting looked at by the FBS powers. Definitely. Definitely. And if you,
1: if you take into account Carson Wentz being at North Dakota, I'm being in North Dakota. Excuse me. You have to remember most most guys aren't. Most national guys aren't recruiting North Dakota. So no one outside of North Dakota knew about Carson Wentz. No one outside of North Dakota cared about Carson Wentz because that's not where the most bang for your buck is as a college a college recruiter. Now North Dakota State, they have to dominate North Dakota if they want to remain relevant. They need all of the best talent out of North Dakota and those surrounding areas if they want to remain relevant. Because that's where their fan base is, and that's where they're going to be able to recruit the best. And so um, the value for North Dakota on someone like Carson Wentz is going to be higher than the value at Sam Houston State or at, um, or at, or at James Madison, where
0: they're right in that Virginia area, which is rich in talent. Which is interesting because you, it's funny how we could break down the country as far as, where you can go and find certain positions or certain types of athletes. And and a lot of people think, well, you can't paint a a fine line with a broad brush. But in the sense of athletics, it seems to be unique in that matter because you have guys, you know, you have the, the speed from the south, the power from the Midwest, the good bit of mixture from the mid Atlantic or the flamboyance out West, you know, things like that. Uh, I guess a lot of it has to do with the weather. Uh, You know, guys down South, the weather is more suitable for you to be outside all year round, running around doing different things. So you're constantly getting that training in the Northeast. You're dealing with more cold weather months. So you tend to be a little bit more inside power type uh, deal. And, And so it's just funny how a lot of factors go into play. And, And so when you have a parent that's wondering why their kid isn't getting recruited, you've been on that side where you have to have that difficult conversation with parents or have that instructional conversation with parents and some coaches at that level. What are you telling those parents and and what advice are you giving them to, let's say, put their son or daughter for that matter in the best light? Well, number
1: one, first and foremost, always is to tell a parent and a player to always have themselves adjusted properly academically, um, so many people want things handed to them without putting out the necessary effort it needs to be successful. If you are taking care of your business in the academic realm, then you can go wherever you want to go. And that's what people—that's what people forget. We have so many success stories of guys who have walked on at major Power 5 conference schools and earned a scholarship because they believed in themselves and they had the opportunity to do that. But when you don't give yourself the opportunity by achieving academically, that, that, that sets you back. Secondly, I tell them to stop focusing on places that don't love them. You always want to focus on the place where there's someone there that loves you because at the end of the day, if you go somewhere where they love you, they're going to do everything they can possibly do to make you as successful as possible because they don't want to be wrong. And, and so many times people want to go where they love. And, and that's great if you have the academic profile, then just go there. Football should be secondary. But if you're thinking strictly from a football-related aspect, why would you ever go to Alabama to just be on Alabama's team and spend three years, four years as a blocking dummy when you can go to Toledo and be the starting the starter from day one and have four years to rock. You're gonna have more film, you're gonna have more opportunity for an NFL team to see you if you're playing rather than if you're
0: being a backup and just being and just waiting for your one year to rock. And you're gonna have more fun at the end of the day too, just playing college ball. I totally embrace going to Louisiana Lafayette instead of trying to go to, let's say, a Florida State walk-on somewhere like that. Um, yeah, you, you embrace those opportunities, and you end up enjoying the college experience, which is ultimately what you want to do and get out of it. Obviously, you want to make the NFL and, and play at the highest level, whether it's Canadian or wherever, but you, know, you also want to go somewhere where you're going to have fun and enjoy the college experience. Now, you talked about showcasing, and – I, I don't know I remember growing up it was you had a few states that had all-star games like Georgia versus Florida you had Texas versus um Louisiana you had, you had the big the big 33 in Ohio right the big 33 I'm just Ohio Pennsylvania Pennsylvania big 33 and you had yeah. you maybe had one all-star game one national all-star game I was it the all of what was it called back then um Cause we're about the we're the same age, so it was, it was one of them that used to be broadcast. I, I want to say it was, uh, I don't know if it was under armour at the time because under armour is fairly new. But yeah, it was about Under armour. It was one of those. Nice. Maybe was, I, I can't remember. It now it's gonna bug me. But anyway, now you have two major ones. You have the all American, under armour, all American game, and you have the the army all American game. And do these games have value for these high school prospects? Because I feel like there's two major ones, and then we see a bunch of these high school all-star games start to pop up around the country. Well, I think they definitely have a
1: value um, for the players who are able to get in and um, that don't have a home yet, who are still looking to raise their profile. But for like the the, the consensus top guys, these, these All-American games are an opportunity for them to showcase their talents versus the best in the nation. These All-Star games for them, they are their first opportunity for a college coach, for their college coach, to see if they
0: can be an immediate impact on their football team. See, and that's the thing I always wonder, because you're looking at, uh, a coach is seeing you dominate your high school uh, level of competition. So wherever you're playing, they're seeing you do that. Is there a situation where a guy can come to one of these all-star games and strictly get lost in the shuffle and look like they're a fish out of water around a bunch of other elite-type talented, elite type talent um, on the field? Oh, definitely. I think you've seen it in the past. I think you've
1: seen guys who have come to all-star games and have looked ordinary or um, subpar, and that has transitioned to them um, to the collegiate level. I'll give you one example. Um, Everybody was in love with Kyler Murray coming out of um, Texas, and he came to the um, Under Armour All-American game, and I was at that game, and I remember watching him and going, he's going to have a tough time in college. And I remember one of the other. I think it may, it may have been a rival scout who was up in the in the press box with me. He wondered why I thought that. I was like, "Well, I, I'm not big on you know being tall or um, or short at the quarterback position. But if you're a quarterback, you need to play tall. And Kyler Murray didn't play tall, and he he really had a difficult time with those six foot six and six foot seven dudes that were in front of him." calling the lane, he had to constantly move himself out of a comfortable pocket in order to be able to see the, the players downfield. Fast forward to him at Texas A&M, I thought that he struggled, um, trying to adjust to that size and the athleticism of those defensive linemen that were in front of him, and and ultimately something happened behind the scenes and he decided to part ways. So that's going to be something he's going to really need to work on in his second. Chapter
0: at Oklahoma, and we'll see how that goes. And that's going to be key, man. Because again, a lot of guys come in with a lot of hype. We used to see it all the time. It, you know, you know how it is on signing day. Back before it was all on TV, you go down to the computer lab, see who your school signed, see if it was someone at your position, so you didn't have to worry. And then you read the high school stats. You're like, man, this guy nice coming in. And then when he gets in to practice during two days, you're like, whoa, he kind of trash. You know, so and then you look at where he played ball. You're like, ah, so that's why, you know, and and so I totally agree with your point there. And the All-Star, the Under Armour All-Star game was this past weekend. Uh, This upcoming weekend is the Army All-American game. And just want to get your thoughts on some of the guys that you you saw last week and some of the guys that you're looking forward to seeing in this upcoming game. Well, the – under Armour All American game was
1: was, was really interesting, especially because um, on ESPN you get to see a lot of the practices, which to me, obviously, um, I've been at I've been at those Under Armour All American practices, and it may really give you a sense of who's doing what on, on, a, on, a, on a day in day out basis. The game gets a little bit overblown to me. Um, they usually tend to be slightly underwhelming. Um, the same. That's actually something that is um, directly directly correlates to the collegiate all-star games, um, where where the practices tend to be more important than the game the games are. Um, and there were three guys that really I was I was looking at because I wanted to see, and then I was just I came away impressed with. Um, the first was the defensive end uh, Robert Bill from from Sawada, Georgia Peachtree Ridge High School. This, this kid is long, he's athletic, he's rated as the number one defensive end in the nation. I don't think he's ready. I think that he is going to be good, but if people are looking for him to come in and be an immediate impact guy right now, I just don't see it. He spent much of the time doing one-on-ones in the pass rush, because right now, his body frame is lean. It says, you know, situational pass rusher. He was getting swallowed up by these big, giant offensive tackles. And um, his, his speed to power, you can tell he's still working on it. It's coming, but it's not there yet. And, and so when I look at him and I go, man, he, he dominated in high school, but once he got against competition that he's going to see on a day-in, day-out basis, He looked very ordinary. I remember there was three rushes in a row. Him and Trey Smith were up against each other. And Trey Smith is the number one offensive tackle um, in the nation. And he's going to Tennessee. And he's going to step foot on Tennessee and probably start day one. He's as good. Actually, I would say he's probably a little bit below my grading of Cam Robinson coming out of Alabama, who I thought as as a senior in high school could have started for Alabama. Um, Trey Smith is in that same – he's in that same mold. He He's not as good as Cam Robinson, but he's very close. And Trey Smith swallowed him up because he has quick feet, he's strong at the point of attack, and, and Robert Bill couldn't just use his speed to get around him. And like I said, his speed to power conversion wasn't there. You can tell that he's going to be good. But for him to be an immediate impact at Georgia – I don't know that he's going to be that. And when a guy is supposedly a five-star guy, you would hope that that means he could come in and be an immediate impact guy. The other guy is um, Dylan Moses. Dylan Moses is interesting. He's, he's a Louisiana boy. And um, he was a running back linebacker for years. He transferred to IMG and focused primarily on linebacker. I remember as a junior, his junior year was very, very poor. Um, He didn't do well at all, but since he's been IMG and focusing on just playing linebacker, he has elevated his stock, in my opinion, back to one that could be the number one overall um, player in the nation. Um, I think that it was a blessing in disguise for him that Les Miles was fired, because once Les Miles was fired, he decommitted from LSU, and committed to Alabama. And I believe that LSU is the premier defensive back school, and Alabama is the premier linebacker school. So he's going to a perfect situation to fit his skill set, and he's already on campus right now, Emory. This kid is going to be one who you can see getting major minutes as a freshman. Um, Dylan Moses, 6'2", 225, he's already a grown man. Physically, he's going to just get better working with those Alabama linebackers. Um, the third guy that I was looking at at the Under at the Armour game is a guy that I actually coached um, back when um, he was a freshman at Tampa Bay Tech, Daquan Green. Um, Daquan Green is a wide receiver. He's a Florida commit. And um, to me, I wanted to really see if, his talent was going to transition versus premier defensive backs, and I thought he held his own. Um, it, it's 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 interesting because I understand the level of ball he played at, and in Tampa, there's some really good football being played. But because of how many schools there are in the in the in the Hillsborough County area, the talent gets diluted on a school by school basis, and so. He may only run up against an elite-level cornerback once every few games, and the other time he's eating against guys who probably won't play college football. And so to see him be able to work on a day-in, day-out basis versus elite-level defensive backs, that was really good to see. Um, I, I thought he held his own. Um, he did nothing to make me believe that he couldn't be successful at the next level. I still think he has to get um, become a better route runner. Um, because you can tell that they were able to stand in his hip pocket because he wasn't as sharp on his routes, but nobody attacks the ball like Daquan Green when it's in the air, and that's that's going to serve him well, especially if the University of Florida can get somebody to pass on the ball.
0: It's funny you bring up uh, the talent in Hillsborough County and, and how diluted it is. It was the exact same thing in New Orleans when I was growing up is the fact that we had at the time uh, before Katrina, we had – Forty football playing high schools. And if you've been in New Orleans, you know New Orleans is only maybe about five hundred thousand uh people. And so when you have all of that high all of those high schools in a concentrated area, matter of fact, my high school um, was located uptown New Orleans. Across the street was an all-girls academy, Ursaline, right? And a block away was another major high school. We were a 4 A school. Here's a 5A school that was a block away in Four Shades High School. Three blocks away, you had another 4A school within our district, uh, Cohen High School, where Bruce Eugene balled out at quarterback. So imagine if Bruce Eugene, who broke every passing record at Grambling, was our quarterback, and down the street at Forshey, uh, we had a guy that ended up playing corner, I want to say at Nickel State, a lineman, rest in peace, who ended up getting, uh, he was recruited to play at uh, where was it? Um, northeast Louisiana, but he ended up passing away in a uh, random shooting. Uh, but he was a 3rd thirty, three hundred thirty-pound offensive lineman. So imagine that talent all on one team, and that's what you see at, at certain areas in in I don't want to say country towns, but that's what they are. You know these country towns. I think the the metropolitan cities suffer from what you just described going on down in Tampa. It's definitely an an issue, and um, it keeps expanding. The Hillsborough County and and
1: even Pinellas and Pasco County are growing so fast that these schools are overcrowded. And so they have to continue to build new schools. It's it's understandable from an educational standpoint because that's what— where we're out here to do, we out here to educate these kids. But from a football aspect, it means that you have, and, and you said 40 something, and we're in the 40, um, the 40 plus football playing schools as well. Uh, with a population that I want to say in the city is less than a million, um, it, that's a lot of schools and a lot of football, um, playing schools where you don't get an opportunity to really see, like powerhouses. Um, come about because the talent is so spread out or even worse some of the a lot of the talent will go to a couple of schools like three or four schools and then the other you know 30 some odd schools are left to fight it out for the guys who are left and, and so that's what you see a lot in Hillsborough County so it's good to see Green go up against that constant, ca- constant talent and have success.
0: Now in the Army All-Star Game, All-American Game, you have the two headliners and and Tate Martell, the quarterback uh, from Bishop Gorman, going to Ohio State, and Najee Harris, who's committed to Alabama, the 6'2", 220-pound tailback, that's built a lot like Bo Scarborough. Um, Saban was able to pull him from California and bring him to Alabama. That's the toughest part about recruiting against Alabama. They can go in your state and get your best player. Every time. So you already are behind the eight ball. If, let's say if you're USC or UCLA or Cal, Stanford, you just lost the best running back in the state You know, uh, to Alabama. Now, the number two guy is pretty good, but he's not the number one guy, so to speak. So, But in this Army All-American game, you have those two headliners, but there's a ton of talent that you want to talk about that's going to be on display this weekend. Well,
1: everyone, everyone's heard of Tate Martell, and everybody knows that he's going to have an opportunity to step foot um, into, into, Ohio, into the horseshoe and play immediately. Um, um, Najee, Najee, to me, is a guy who's going to come in and be a rotational guy, but really, they're so deep at running back, he could go there in redshirt for a year um, and let another one or two of those guys actually get out of school so that he'd have more carries. If, if I was advising him, that's what I would tell him to do, but he fits that mode of what Alabama has won out of their running backs lately. Um, but I, I, looked, I went a different way. I wanted to see some different people. Um, number one on my list to see was Dylan McCaffrey. And again, like I said earlier, these games are twofold. Um, one, they're a showcase for um, the premier talents to, to be able to say, hey, I'm the best. I remember Terrell Pryor at the Army, um, all-American ball, and it was just different. He was just different, fast and strong and big and athletic. Um, I hadn't seen anything like him. Um, and quite honestly, I haven't seen anything like him. Um, coming out of high school because I really didn't see Cam Newton coming out of high school. Um, like I saw um Terrell Pryor, and I still, I still, I still, I still maintain that he made the wrong decision. He should have went to Michigan with Rich Rodriguez. And that would have been phenomenal if they would have been together. Um, but I'm looking at another Michigan, another Michigan commit, um, Dylan McCaffrey, a kid in my opinion who right now is known more because of his name than his play. I've I've watched I've watched a couple games of his that I've been able to find, and I've watched highlights, and I think that he still leaves a lot to be desired. Um, from a physical standpoint, um, I think that his arm strength is clearly not where you would think an elite-level quarterback's arm strength would be. Um, I think that he's being helped by his name, but there are but there is some talent there. I mean, um, Harbaugh's not just giving out scholarships to dudes do, ju- do just because, uh, especially at the quarterback position. He could not have picked a better place to go play college football than at Michigan. Because he won't be rushed by Harbaugh, he will be taught on um, properly. It doesn't matter who the offensive coordinator or assistant coaches are at Michigan. He's going to be working with Harbaugh, and um, that's going to be great for him. I'm going to love to see. I have. I almost have no doubt that he's going to be redshirted um, and have an opportunity to grow as a, you know, just mature as a person, um, mature physically. But I really want to see in this All-American game. Can he throw the ball into tight holes? Can he throw people open? Will he be intimidated by the level of play he's going against? And that would be really, really key for me to see with Dylan McCaffrey. But I believe he's made a very wise and informed decision in where he's going. Another good thing about these showcases is for players who don't who don't have a home yet. Um, and just wanna to continue to build their profile. Brother Bolden on um, the safety from on um, Bishop Warman, six three, one seventy five, he's long and he's physical. I've seen like four Bishop Gorman games this year because I'm a nerd and I just like watching, you know, high school football at twelve AM in the morning. <laughs> and um this kid brings it. I don't know I don't know why he's waited so long. I don't know the backstory of why he hasn't Committed anywhere yet, or if he just wants to do that whole signing day show? But whoever gets him, they're going to get a guy who could come in and be an immediate impact. When you're that long, when you're that physical. Um, it makes for a very, very um, it makes for a very, very interesting combination. He actually reminds me of um, he reminds me of of Lane down at Florida State, who is a wide receiver convert. To safety um, and, and since he's converted from wide receiver to safety he's been doing really good at Florida State he couldn't be on the field as a wide receiver consistently and, and now he's he's an NFL prospect as a safety and Bubba Bowden looks in that same frame uh, as Lane to me so it'll be interesting to see what he does on the biggest stage on the last one it's probably because I'm a tight end and I'm, I'm a little um, I'm a little you know a little biased towards them I'm looking at Kobe Parkinson from Oaks Christian. Um, He's a 6'6", 225, 230-pound tight end who's going to Stanford. And the reason I say he's going to Stanford because you know Stanford has a standard when it comes to tight ends. If you can't block, you can't play tight end for Stanford. And so um, when he comes in, I want to see, I know he can catch the ball. I know he can stretch the field down. I want to see him block. I want to see if this is a kid who can be one of the next one of those next Stanford greats at tight ends that they are continually pumping out every year to the NFL or if he's going to need time to develop his blocking skills before he's able to be a contributor um, for Stanford. He's going to the right school. Again, I think that in McCaffrey's case and in Parkinson's case, they both made phenomenal choices in who they're committed to. Um to develop their skill sets, um, with Bolden it'll be interesting. I think that um, a, a great fit for him would, would probably be up at Washington. Not only just because of um, them losing some guys that he might be able to slip into a spot, but I think they do a really good um, job of developing the, that that back end at Washington. I think he'd be a great fit there. But I also think he'd be a really good fit. Down in Tallahassee at Florida State, so we'll see how that how that works out for the, for that young man.
0: But it's funny because you look at that that Army game, and I'm excited to see Jalen Parks, another outstanding defensive lineman. He's 6'4", 300 pounds, and you talk about a guy that has the the size already coming out of high school, has that athleticism, That's someone you want to see get out there and compete and shine. I remember, I want to say, and not to say that I'm some uh, psychic or whatever, because you just kind of watch games, and certain guys just have that, that it factor. and You can't really describe what it is, but you know it when you see it. And so I want to say, like, the high school All-American game uh, a while back when you had the, the one Adrian Peterson played and it was a, the Army game. I'm, you know, I'm going to watch every running back because automatically, I think running backs nowadays coming out of high school, I'm, like, already thinking negatively that they trash. Oh, you ran for 3,500 yards in high school and, in 15 games? Trash, you know what I'm saying? Oh, he's the number one running back? Trash. So I'm, w- I'm watching Adrian Peterson. I want to say it was maybe like the second carry he broke off like a 60-yard run. Like, that's a pro player right there because you just saw, like, man, you saw speed. You saw um, him using his size and his advantage. He was 6'2", a legit 6'2", um, a legit sprinter. Not this mythical high school speed where everybody's running four two eight. You know, um, on Vine and things like that. But I was like, man, that, that's a pro player looks looks like. And, lo and behold, he goes to Oklahoma as a freshman and balls out. I, I saw the same thing, quite honestly, with Mark Sanchez. I was like, you know what? That's a He's he got real good skills, and he's going to USC. I think he has a chance to be a really good quarterback and be a pro. So those two things, you, you tend to pick up on these high school guys. Some guys just have that it. I remember we played against in high school. We played against Jonathan Wells, uh, who was literally like the high school version of Eddie George, and he ends up going to Ohio State and playing at a, as a freshman. Back this is back when Ohio State, uh, you know, was was you didn't you didn't play as a freshman. You redshirted everywhere, um, and so he been out there and balled out. But it's going to be exciting to see these guys get out there and compete. And that boy uh, Jalen Parks is. From Newberry, Florida, where is that? That's that's north of South Florida, Panhandle, wherever. Uh Newberry, Florida is north of me, I believe. Okay, so yeah, there's this somewhere in the in there. So uh, again, he's already committed to Florida State, so be interested to see how well he plays in that ball game. But um G were pushed up against the clock here. Won't you tell everybody where they can find you on Twitter, Instagram? the Facebook like the old people say, <laughs> you know, where people can find you, what you got coming up next? Yeah, um you can find me everywhere. I mean you know, on Twitter,
1: on on Instagram, at Jane Clemens. Um I, I keep it really simple. Um there's there's no hot takes. There's just me telling you my thoughts and feelings about football, um how I relate. I don't I don't pull any punches. I'm not trying to I'm not trying to garner followers. Um if you want to follow me that's awesome. If you just want to check in on me from time to time, if you want to hear some real football talk, then that's that's great as well. Um, we, we we pride ourselves at football game players, you know, in on or, or not getting caught up in in the flash of, uh, of of trying to be celebrity. We really want to bring you football that makes sense. And at the high school level, and this is why I, I I told you that I really wanted to have this segment where we talk about um high school um. The high school process because oh, we we have a commitment to give it to you from the time that they're you know lacing up the cleats and as a prep to the to them lacing up the cleats as a professional.
0: And a lot of times we tend to see guys early on in the process. And when you're doing high school covers like we we are here, uh, you tend to have an idea of what to expect when you get to college, and you have a real good familiarity with not only their, their skill set but their potential for growth development at the next level. So we're not surprised by a lot here at Football Game Plan. That's toot our own home but we do a lot of work and we truly believe this is the place where football makes sense and slow and steady wins the race. So Gene, thanks for taking time today. Follow him on Twitter at Gene Clemens. Facebook, Instagram all of that is the same. Gene Clemens and again if you want to Listen to this podcast again, or you want to find our other podcast, you can find it archived on our website, footballgameplan.com football slash podcast. Also on iTunes under the Football Game Plan Radio Network, as well as on SoundCloud as well, soundcloud.com slash fbgp radio network or fbgp podcast whatever it is you can find it on our website first and then we can direct you from there but thanks for taking time gene and also for you guys out there listening again you can follow me on twitter at fball game plan this was episode one of scout team